Ever wondered if your parenting style has an impact on your child's mental health? Did you know that your own stress could be stressing out your kids? On this episode of Brainy Moms, Terry and I interview Dr. Hansa Bargava, pediatrician, renowned parenting expert, and author of the book, Building Happier Kids, Stress-Busting Tools for Parents. Dr. Bargava talks to us about the importance of shifting our parenting style to be more connected and compassionate in order to help our children be resilient in the current youth mental health crisis. She talks about screens, scheduling, sleep and self-care, and stress, and their impact on the mental health of our kids and on ourselves. Newsflash, it's all related. Join us for tips on managing it all a little better and reducing the risk to our children. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Brainy Moms. I'm Dr. Amy Moore here with my co-host, Terry Miller, coming to you today from a very cold Colorado Springs, Colorado. I think it was negative 26 wind chill this morning uh, when I first woke up. We're a little bit cold, <laughs> but we're excited to welcome our guest today, Dr. Hansa Bargava. Dr. Bargava is a board-certified pediatrician. She's the chief medical officer of Medscape Education. And she's also author of the brand new book, Building Happier Kids, Stress-Busting Tools for Parents. With her expertise in parenting, mental health, and pregnancy, she has helped develop content for WebMD and the WebMD Baby app, a regular contributor to Forbes, and working alongside wellbeings.org, she is frequently interviewed by major news outlets on issues of well-being and health in kids and youth. She's also collaborated with the American Academy of Pediatrics and is an elected member of the AAP Committee on Communications and Media. So Thank glad you. that you are with us. Thank you for being here, Hansa. Thank you so much, Terry and Amy. I'm so excited to be here and, and to talk with you today. Well, before we get into the meat of this amazing book and all the incredible um, tools that you have for parents and kids, tell us just real briefly, what brought you to where you are today, writing this, writing this book, being an authority on helping parents build happier kids? What's your personal story with your own kiddos that brought you here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I don't think that it's a surprise we have been hearing about the mental health issues that our youth are experiencing today, but I would say that this happened a long time ago, that it has been it has been growing over the last decade or so, and it certainly was before the pandemic that we were seeing, um, you know, uh, kids basically suffering from stress and anxiety and depression. And, and what brought me to write this book is over the last few years, as a pediatrician, I began to hear more and more about, you know, wonderful families who are trying their best, the parents trying their best, and yet the kids were suffering from stress and anxiety and stories about that. And then, of course, in my own family, I started seeing it with my own kids. And I talk about that in the book about, you know, my my daughter and my son. And, and that's when I realized, you know, we really need to talk about it that we need to kind of take this as an urgent matter um, and, you know, do something about it. And then, of course, the pandemic happened, which actually um, catalyzed everything, I think. So we're, we're at a really pivotal moment in time. And, you know, I, I really am so happy that we're having these conversations. Yeah. yeah, I am too. And I think that you really nailed it when you said, look, 
kids are, have been struggling with mental health issues for a while now, but you talk about how the pandemic sort of shined a light on that yeah. and kind of brought that to the surface. Why is that? Yeah, no, and I think it was brewing for a very long time, but here's the thing, Amy, the pandemic, you know, obviously we had to take public health measures, right? And those public health measures included social isolation. We didn't know what the virus was. We didn't know how it would spread. It was absolutely the right thing to do at that point. We didn't want to collapse our hospital system. So all of this was correct. But unfortunately, the side effects or the adverse effects, every action, unfortunately, has consequences. And the consequence was social isolation. And, you know, schools shifting back and forth from online to not online, you know, as, as they tried to shift and make the best of everything. So, one of the um, main pillars that we need as people is connection. And that connection is so essential in our humanity, right? If you look back at thousands of years or you look back across every culture, connection is in the very fabric of being human. And when there was social isolation and that was all taken away from our kids and our families and our parents, and I do talk about the parents, then that actually, I think, really contributed to exacerbating the crisis. Yeah. And I see a lot of teenagers in counseling and what I've noticed this year is the social anxiety that they've been experiencing. It's like they forgot their social skills, right? And they've kind of had to walk through that whole process and awkwardness, you know, of adolescence all over again. So not just depression from being isolated, yeah. but that, that social anxiety has just been overwhelming and paralyzing. Mm-hmm. Completely. And and I don't know if you have experienced that personally, if adults experience it personally in your practice, Amy, but I, I would advocate that they do, that we when we went back to meetings, and we talked about it actually, I had, um, I had some um, meetings with Medscape recently, last week in person for the, for the first time. And we talked about, we talked about how it was hard even as adults to kind of be back in a small group and talk face to face. So you just imagine what it's like for our kids and, and our, and our teens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think another, another interesting phenomenon that I'm experiencing, and I'm, I'm just thinking of it as you're talking about it, shining a light on a spotlight on mental health issues. Um, I have nine kids. And so my four older kids are young adults. And in a sense, they were raised in a different world. Their, their middle school, high school experiences were very different. There's a five-year gap between the older four and then my kids that are still home at now, still at home now, my five younger ones. Yeah. Um, and what I'm seeing is the four older kids, I think they had those same struggles, but they didn't speak them in the same way. It's mental health has become more commonly talked about. And so I'm seeing in my younger kids more of a willingness um, to talk about, I feel depressed. I'm so unhappy with my friends. I don't like school. And I think the older ones had those same struggles. And yet now what we're seeing, so for young parents, I I think I want to say to listeners If you're hearing this and thinking, oh my goodness, there's a huge mental health crisis. My kids are falling apart. It may be a little bit of a comfort to realize that maybe we've all always been falling apart. There are more stresses, but kids are more comfortable talking about it. 
They're more comfortable bringing it to us. And that's a good thing. It feels bad as a parent. Feels really bad. I don't want my kid to talk about how they're depressed, but it's a good thing that we're hearing about it. Is that, you think that's true? Totally, Terry. I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. Every cloud has a silver lining. This is a silver lining, right? Like the fact that mental health has become a conversation, whether it's with adults, whether it's with families, whether it's with kids. And it's an opportunity for us, right? Because the first steps to making any changes is awareness and education of it, right? And so I totally agree with you, Terry. Like those conversations, like that is a learning opportunity. That's an opportunity for us as parents to talk about it and, and to c- keep the communication lines going, which is like literally a pillar of parenting communication with your kids, whether they're five or 15. So very important. So, good. so in addition to the social isolation that we've all experienced during COVID, what do you think is one of the other biggest contributors to the mental health problems that we're seeing right now among children? Yeah. Among children, there's so many, and I talk, you know, I've, I've talked about this, but I call them the S's. <laughs> and the S's really are okay, look, let's just put it out there screens and social media. I, I think social media more, I'll tell you, like, I will tell my own kids that, hey, I want you off your phone, but we can watch a movie. I know that sounds so silly, right? Because it seems like, but there's passive media. And then there's active media, right? And so I I do think that there's differences in those two. So it's not necessarily quantity of media, but the quality of media. So, you know, what kinds of media raise your anxiety levels? And and I'll tell you right now, as an adult, and, you know, we can get into this if if you'd like about the self-care. As an adult, as a parent, I take myself off of news feeds a lot. And maybe I shouldn't say that because, you know, that's part of my job to know what's out there. I'm not saying I'm not, I don't know what's out there. I'm just saying that uh, my brain and human brains were not wired to have 24-7 drumbeat of bad news. We are not wired that way. We aren't. And if you think back about like 25 years ago in parenting, right? Like my mom, when I sat at the kitchen table, she was not getting a news feed into her brain 24-7. She she watched the six o'clock news. She listened to the radio at 9 a.m. She knew what was going on. But the anxiety level for her was not up here, right? Because we're constantly listening about what's happening in Russia or what's, you know, whatever is happening at, at, at the time. So, so I think, you know, I think that that is one of them. And the other S is they're really overscheduling sleep, which is incredibly important for physical and mental health, right? So the screens, the sleep, the scheduling, the social media, all of those S's have just created the perfect storm for our kids, in my humble opinion. Another S. Yeah, storm. Yeah, storm. (laughs) Exactly. So I know Terry wants to ask you about sleep in just a few minutes because she's very passionate about sleep, but I am very passionate about scheduling and not over-scheduling. And so talk a little bit about that and why, what's your stance on that? Why is it important? Well, I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, I I call it keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keeping up with the Joneses parent style. So we're not talking about big houses or fancy bags. We're talking about looking over at our neighbor or hearing about a mom at school and saying, oh, my God, you know, they're doing travel team or they're doing this. And maybe I need to do that. And I will tell you right now, I am guilty. It's hard not to be 
sucked into that. And I talk about that at the very beginning of my book, right? About how like my daughter was overscheduled. You know, she had so many things going on that there was, it was just a merry-go-round, right? It was just like, get up, run, do this, do that, eat, go to sleep, get up, run. Like it was just like, and then rinse, repeat, right? Like, and, and so that is a concern because one of, again, one of the pillars that we need as human beings to settle ourselves is to have quiet time, to have the pause, to have like family time and communication time. And I know it seems unachievable, but the only way it's achievable is to be able to prioritize, right? And put boundaries down. And just like we prioritize brushing our teeth, (laughs) having our meals, I think in the schedule, there should be built you know, that downtime, you, you have to have it. Otherwise, you're constantly in sympathetic overdrive, which you both obviously with your backgrounds know about sympathetic, sympathetic overdrive. And the other thing I'll just say before I stop <laughs> my monologue here is, is that sympathetic overdrive is not just bad for anxiety, depression, all of the mental health issues. It's also incredibly bad for our physical health, too. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us more about that. Describe that for our listeners. Sympathetic overdrive. What do you mean? Yeah. So sympathetic overdrive is really that fight or flight response that happens, right? We are wired as human beings to like the, you know, in the caves, oh my God, there's a tiger, like run. And and so all our hormones, like cortisol, like every, all the hormones that make us run faster, get pumped up. And then you have the parasympathetic system, which is the opposite right? Which actually balances it out. And it tells the body, okay, it's okay to go to sleep and it's okay to calm down. It's okay to think. It's okay to be creative, right? It's okay to, you know, be connected. And unfortunately, the way all those S's have collaborated is to keep us constantly in that fight or flight response. And what happens with the fight or flight response is there's chemicals that are released in our bloodstream that cause harm, that increases the risk of cancer, increases the risk of diabetes, of heart attacks. And in fact, there's been studies to show that your hair cortisol, one of my colleagues who is at Emory University, just published a study, very interesting, that basically she looked at hair cortisol levels, cortisol being the stress hormone, um, and connected it back to you know, the, the likelihood of having um, of a heart attack, so arterial buildup. It is real. And I don't think we're talking about that enough about how mental health affects physical health. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting back in the eighties, Dr. David Elkind wrote a book called the hurried child, and he brought these issues to light then, right? That when we overschedule our children, here are the, here's the fallout here, are the mental health ramifications for that child. So here we are in 2022, still talking about it. What do you think the resistance is um, for parents to adopt that idea that we shouldn't helicopter our children? We don't yeah. need to manage yeah. their schedules the way that we're managing them. What, talk to us about your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel bad because look, I, I can see it as a parent myself, right? We talked about keeping up with the Joneses, but the other, the other, um, unfortunate feeder of this is basically social media. And that's 
us being on social media, right? It's the Instagram mom, right? The Facebook mom, you know, the Twitter mom, right? Because we're, we're constantly on that feed too. And unfortunately, we know this cognitively that everything that people post on social media is not their life, right? Because it's the best and most perfect of everything. However, like if you see it over and over again, it's really hard. Our subconscious is basically like, I want to be that mom, right? I want to be that parent. I want to be that dad. And, and I think I think that plus like the constant running for like being the best athlete, the best this, the best that, and that's American culture. I hate to say it. And, you know, I, I mean, it's just the American life, right? Like go, go, go. And, and, and I think, I think, unfortunately, those are the feeders of like making sure our kids also are perfect. We want our perfect kids. And yet what we're doing is harm to them because if you raise them as they are the center of the universe and we raise them as we are going to adapt everything around our child, then they don't learn that they are not the center of the universe. And when they become adults, that is hard for everything, right? Like they, you can't go around in life thinking you're the center of the universe. Nothing's going to work out for you. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, whatever work you're doing, like people are not going to like you and relationships are important and every facet of your life. Yeah. I think, yeah, I would love to be able to sort of scream from the brainy mom's platform. You want to be a brainier mom? Stop learning so much. Stop trying so hard. So true. Slow down, rest. Yeah. 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 And I talk about that, Terry, just going back to that, right? Like slow down, rest, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be the change you want to see in your family. You got to slow down and rest. You got to take yourself off of social media, right? You got to build in the me time if you want that to happen for your kids. And we can talk more about why that's so important. But, but so true, Terry. Like we have to stop with the helicopter, and we have to stop making our kids the center of the universe. They aren't. They are not the center of our universe or anyone's. <laughs> Unfortunately, as much as we'd want them to be, but they're not. <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about kind of shift. Um, You talk a lot about screen time and the dangers of social media and screen time. And I'm just going to share personal experience, the easy thing to do. And this is what I think we fall into as moms is we're like, okay, I'm going to slow down. We are not going to have a bunch of busy stuff. Not going to, my kids aren't going to do the soccer and the dance and whatever on Friday afternoon, we're going to do nothing. And what happens is we all come home with our kids and they get on, they get on their phones. They get on the video game. Everyone is off in their own little space, having rest, having downtime, but it's all on screens. We're not outside walking in nature. We're not sitting and talking. We're not playing Uno. And that, that is the reality of the world we live in. It takes a lot of hard work as a mom to say, I'm not going to do that kind of downtime. I got to make the effort to get the kids out on a walk to play Uno. Talk to us about screen time. It is so hard, Terry. I just want to acknowledge that yeah. it is hard and it's, it is an added burden to parents, right? It is. This is something that we didn't have parents 
25 years ago didn't have to struggle with, right? Right, right. Everywhere is persistent in our society. And we can't just say, oh, we'll just toss our phones. No, unfortunately, they are a way of life, just like the telephone was a way of life when the telephone got created, right? Like, or the TV, right? Like, you can toss the TV. So we have to just accept that, right? Um, But then ways to make it easier is to step. So what I've done, I'll, I'll just talk about myself. And it has been a struggle for me. I'll just confess, like as a mom, it is a struggle. Like I struggle with it still. Some of the things I've done is one, setting up expectations. So if you got that Friday afternoon off, you know, designate it way in advance that, hey guys, we're going to have this time, this family time. Don't call it screen fee time because then there's like this, oh, well, we're going to battle mom and dad about this. No, like, so just say it's family time. We're going to do something fun together. So always positive, right? Set up expectations. Um, the other thing that I would say is that about certain times and places. So for, for me, what I've done is um, device-free time is in the car. So if I do pickups, you don't have to talk to me. And I have teenagers and they don't talk to me sometimes. They just don't. And it's one word answers like, how's your day? Good, fine. Like, <laughs> right? We know that. Um, and it's okay. But they're not going to pick up their devices. So, you know, so that's that's one thing. So time, certain times of the day, no devices at dinner, no devices at breakfast, no devices at, you know, in the car. When you get in the car with me, you don't have to talk to me. We can put on the music, but we're not going to be like in our own little worlds because that increases the likelihood of communication, which is incredible. It would incredibly, incredible important pillar for parents, right? Um, and and then the the other thing is just do, as I said, like do what you want the kids to do. So resist that temptation to just check that email or, oh my God, I, got, I need to text this person. I forgot to do it. So for the period of time that is family time, you have to put down your phone too. Um, put it on vibrate. And one last thing that I did with my kids since they were young, eight or nine years old, and they're so sick of me saying this because I'm okay, we know you're a pediatrician mom. Like, <laughs> But I talked about you know how social media can actually cause anxiety. I talked about how screen time doesn't allow you to have creativity. I talked about how it can actually rewire your brain, which we're seeing this, you know, we're seeing the impact. You both know this of, of um, too much screen time on our pathways and our neural pathways and the ability to think deeper versus shallow. Um, the you know the way that the wiring is in our brain. So. So I actually said that to them from the very beginning. And when I said it enough times, I think they do understand it and believe it. So now I have my kids saying, oh, I left my phone upstairs and I'm studying down here because I don't want to be distracted. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) finally the voice is in their head. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because as moms, like, look, they're going to go off at some point for college or job or whatever. You're not going to be there 24-7, right? So I go back to parenting when I was growing up and my mom couldn't follow me everywhere, right? But she could put the voice in my head, which would follow me everywhere. <laughs> oh, you really shouldn't do that. Is this really the right thing to do? And that's that's always in our toolbox. <laughs> yes. So you talk about the importance of letting kids um, experience and nurture being resilient. Yes. Why is that important? Yeah, and I think it's really important. I can't even emphasize it more. The reason it's important is because they have we have to allow them to fall in front of us in 
while we're still while they're still in our home under our protection, right? What you don't want to do is send them off on their way, and then they actually um, come up against those challenges when you're not even around. So let's think about it that way, right? So let them fall, let them fail, because they learn how to get up again. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit of a science fiction nerd, so I watch. I watch Batman and there's a point where, where um, the butler says to, um, to, to, um, to Batman uh, that, you know, why do we fall, Mr. Wayne? Why do we fall? And it's because we have to learn to get up again. And we've done that since they were toddlers. So we have to stop like trying to guard them. It's so important for their learning. So important. You want that learning to happen in your arena if possible. I mean, some learnings will happen outside your arena, but it's really important for them to, to be able to experience that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And in the emotional safety of your home and your relationships so that yeah. you can then help them process that failure, right? Absolutely. And, you know, what are the barriers, barriers to success the next time? You know, what, what can you do differently the next time? And hey, by the way, you survived this. Yes. Yes. And so here's an example. Uh, you know, if you have middle schoolers or high schoolers and, you know, the t- it's the, almost the anti-tiger mom philosophy in, in, in a way. Uh, and my, my daughter said to me, she's like, why aren't you a tiger mom anymore, mom? And I was, I was, <laughs> confession. Um, and she was just like, why? And I'm like, because you need to learn how to deal with things not going your way. And it's okay because in life, there is nobody who has a perfect life. There will always be challenges and we have to learn how to deal with them. So yeah, so what if you got a C on that test? So what? Did it kill you? It didn't. You just find out, figure out what you did, you know, what you could do better next time and do it better next time. It's okay. Yeah. So, so what do you say to the parents that have it in their, in, you know, in their mind that my children have to get all A's? Oh. Because I hear it all the time that yeah. that is the expectation. And then when a child disappoints their parent, then we see the mental health fallout from that. Yeah. So how do you get, how do you get parents to relax? Yeah. Great question, Amy. So um, first of all, I was that parent, just so you know, um, <laughs> you're, you, you're recovering or you've recovered. Recovered a parent. Um, so I'll just say that. Yeah, no, I think I think it has to be a shift. So again, going back to what we started with, there has to be a shift in our way of looking at things. There has to be a shift away from thinking perfection is the ideal. Perfection is not the ideal. Happiness and, and healthiness is the ideal. So how do we make sure that our kids are happy? And how do we not wire them that our their self-esteem is based on grades? Right, Amy? Right. On performance. Yeah. That's not, you know, that's not what it's about. And gosh, that is like a lifetime of anxiety if that's what it's about, right? Because right. you aren't going to get, be the best employee always. You're just not, you're just not. And it's okay. Like that is like, if I could tell parents something, it'd be like, it's okay. It's okay. Things work themselves out and we're going to have ups and downs and it's okay. So, you know, I think that's the pervasive philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a phrase, like I could, I could frame it and hang it in my house. Perfection is not the goal. Resilience is the goal. Absolutely. Learn how to get up when I fall, 
teach my yes. kids or just allow them the yep. space to fall and get up when they fall. I love that. Allow them the space, right? And that means that the parents have to let go. Yeah. Let go. <laughs> and 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 this is why I go to self-care. This is why I go to self-care because when you take care of yourself and you learn in your own life that letting go is okay, you know, we know about Maria Kondo, right? She she's like, you know, tidy up, like don't hold on to these things that are not useful, right? That's called letting go, right? From a cognitive perspective. And flexing that muscle is just like learning how to flex those biceps. Like you flex that muscle for yourself and it will start imprint, like it'll start going into your life and into your parenting. So I really think self compassion or self-care is so important and helping us to Amy to getting to that point where I'm letting go of my kids not having A's because I know that it will be better for them if they stumble, fall and pick themselves up again. It will be better for them. Okay. Yes. We need to, we need to read a word from our sponsor. Okay. Let's do that. Take a break. Take a quick break and then we'll, we'll come back. Are you concerned about your child's reading or spelling performance? Are you worried your child's reading curriculum isn't thorough enough? Well, most learning struggles aren't the results of poor curriculum or instruction. They're typically caused by having cognitive skills that need to be strengthened. Skills like auditory processing, memory, and processing speed. Learning RX one-on-one brain training programs are designed to target and strengthen the skills that we rely on for reading, spelling, writing, and learning. Learning RX can help you identify which skills may be keeping your child from performing their best. In fact, they've worked with more than 100,000 children and adults who want to think and perform better. They'd like to help get your child on the path to a brighter and more confident future. Give Learning RX a call at 866 Brain01 or visit learningrx.com. That's learningrx.com. And we're back talking to pediatrician Dr. Hansa Bargava. And so, um, Hansa, tell us a little bit about. Well, first of all, let me back up. And, you know, we talk a lot about how um, parents need to help their children regulate their emotions through a process called co-regulation, right? And so they have to have control of their own emotions before they can help their kids learn how to manage their big emotions. Um, But talk a little bit about how stress can be contagious. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And And what parents need to do. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's interesting because we did a study, we did a survey actually um, a few years back at WebMD about stress in kids, right? And, you know, they, I I was advising on that survey. And so they, they asked me, I mean, the group, the team that was doing it asked me as a pediatrician, how does stress manifest itself in kids? And you both know the answer to this. And, and, and the truth is the, it can be body symptoms, right? Like kids who are eight or nine who come to my office that come to me saying, oh, I have abdominal pain. Yes, appendix is on the list. But if I've ruled out everything else, I start asking about the family dynamics. Like, was there a death in the family? Was there a job change? Did something happen? You know, and that's when you see that kids can have headaches and stomach aches and things like that. So what we did was we actually um, asked parents about their stress level. And then we asked them about kids and having those symptoms. When the parents were stressed, 
the kids were much more likely to be stressed. And that's what happens, actually. Stress infiltrates into the children, right? And I'll give you another example. Another example is just like the news, the news, the 24-hour, 24-7 news we talked about, right? And right now it is anxiety-provoking for all of us, right? And so when you listen to the news a lot, you get stressed out. And there's certainly studies to show that. But even as a parent or as a person, if you listen to someone else talk about the news, that could be stressful for you too. So you might be in a group. Uh-oh. Froze there for a second. Let's see Got if she pops back on. Little tech glitch. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, we were talking um, in a prior episode about mirror neurons. Do you remember right. that? And, mm-hmm. and the importance of how those operate um, in terms of co-regulating kids' emotions. And so I think, I think that same idea comes into play when we're talking about stress. Right. Right. So you see your mom yawn, you yawn because Uh of your neurons, you see mom totally stressed out. Then you're going to, you're going to feel that Mm -hmm. and perhaps adopt that way of responding to situations. Yeah. Um, and Hansa, she talks about in her book, she has an entire section on that self-care, on parents handling stress so that they can better equip their children to handle stress. Okay. And so, so yeah. So Hansa, your, your section on parents' self-care, parents handling stress, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. So with parents... Um, and there's stress, basically, if they are exposed to stress, unfortunately, the stress can manifest itself in kids. And, you know, a recent, like a few years ago, we did a study at WebMD looking, surveying the parents about their stress level and, um, you know, body symptoms in kids that are often associated with stress, like abdominal pain, headaches, right. things like that. What we found was that when the parents were stressed out, the, sorry, when the, when the parents were stressed out, the kids got stressed out regardless, right? And whatever you're around, and even as an adult, I'll just say, you, if you listen to the news, it might make you stressed out. If you know, you're thinking about something at work, that's, you know, problematic, it might make you stressed out. Or even if a friend comes over and starts talking about stressful situation, that could raise your stress levels. So it's really important to pay attention to ourselves and our stress levels, because absolutely, the kids are little sponges, and they will take in whatever you're feeling even more than what you might be saying. So they will see your actions and they always speak louder than words. Yeah, sure. And kids don't necessarily have the the tools um, that adults have to manage that stress. So we have to be super careful not to impose our stress upon our children, right? They have their own stress. There's enough Mm -hmm. for them to deal with in the world, right? So they don't need us to, we don't need to engage their mirror neurons you know, in, in creating stress that isn't, doesn't even belong to them. Um, so we have to manage ours. Talk to us about self-care and how we, how we best need to manage our stress. Absolutely. And I, and I talk about the oxygen mask, right? Like you're going on a plane and they always say, put your oxygen mask on first before doing it for the kids. Because if we don't manage our own stress, if we don't, if we're not coming from a calm place, 
I promise you that everything will look different. It's the lens, like we have to clear our own lens. And again, I'll just point to work, you know, if you are having, uh, you know, if you're upset, stressed, depressed, and you're trying to work on a work project, chances are you're going to interpret everything in a different way, and you're not going to be in your maximum productivity. So let's shift that over to our other job at home with our kids, right? Or do we want to, you know, not be as focused and as 100% as we can dealing with our kids? Yes, we do. Uh, so we need to clear our own lens. And what that means is literally taking that time for yourself to unwind. And it's not just about baths, actually, or like the bubble baths, and like sitting there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the three C's going back to the fundamentals that you need as a human being, right? And I talk about this in the book, the three C's. And, you know, one of the biggest C's that we need as human beings is connection, connection, right? Connection to ourselves. And that could be meditation or taking that walk in nature, whatever that looks like to you. Or maybe it's just petting your dog, like, you know, without a device around but also connection to our inner circle. And, you know, I call it the inner peeps, like three to five people that are in your life that you can go to with anything and they, you would be there for them. Those are, that's your connection circle. That's your inner circle of care. And then the outward circle that we all need as human beings is community. So definitely make sure that community is there. Now, is that community like a book club? Is it um, a tennis club? Is it just your neighborhood? Your neighbors that you get get together with for a barbecue, whatever that looks like for you, make sure that outer community, outer circle of care is also there. So these are like these are fundamentals, and 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 the, and the third C is compassion, um, and compassion is really important. I think we forget that, but I will go back to our culture of thousands of years. No matter what religion or country or whatever you look at. That is built in. Compassion is incredibly important. And there's a really important reason that's scientifically proved. And that is the person who gives also receives. Like our happiness hormones go up when we're compassionate to others. So, you know, I, it's a two-way street. And, and so those things are really important as part of your self-care journey. So it's not just about bubble baths and, and you know, having a beverage. It's not about that. It's really about connecting on all of those levels and making sure that's built into your week. So speaking of connection, if you've been listening to um, this podcast for very long, you've heard me say over and over again, that connection is the number one buffer against mental health crisis. And so it's, we, we just can't emphasize that enough, but what do you say to parents who um, their first instinct for um, imposing a consequence on their child is to remove their ability to their child's ability to be connected to their friends, right? They'll take their devices away. They'll ground them. And especially in, you know, the social isolation that we've been experiencing because of COVID, do you suggest that there might be alternative ways to, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right about the connection. Like that is how our kids communicate. Like that is just what they do. And and it is important to keep that connection, especially if you've had a stressful discussion or, you know, a disagreement. I do agree with that. Having having said that, I think it's hard for parents too, right? And 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 I think, you know, I think the best way is to have a time out of sorts for yourself and for your kids and and then recalibrate, like come back into the discussion. And, and discuss it in a calm manner. And again, I'm sorry, I keep talking about the self-care, 
but the self-care is really important so that you know how to handle those discussions. And I often like, I'm guilty too. Look, I have, I lost it sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we all do. Right. But what I've noticed it noticed is I tend to lose it more when I'm, I've had a bad day at work or I'm stressed out about something else, or, you know, I'm hungry or I'm tired. And so that's why, like, I have to be in a stable place to be able to communicate in a stable fashion to my kids. So again, going back to you, Amy, having that calm discussion and, you know, talking together about what the consequences are. And here's a great tip. I don't know. One of my friends actually said this. She said, when my child became a teenager, what I would say is like, okay, do you agree that that was not the right thing to do? And he would say, yes. And then I would ask him, what do you think is an appropriate consequence? And most of the time he would come up with a consequence that was far more severe than I would have thought for him. Right, right. But having said that, she would laugh about it internally. But she'd be like, okay, no, you don't have to like, you know, be in timeout for like, uh, you know, for 10 days. No, you don't have to do that. Like, we'll do a little bit less. And then she looks like the star because she actually went back, right? Right. But the communication lines are open and the parent and the child feels like they're part of the plan. So it's teamwork, communication, and you got something good out of a bad situation, right? Sure. And not every mistake or misbehavior is deserving of a you know, of a consequence. Most of the time, the natural consequence is enough, right? Right. The kid was embarrassed or the kid failed or the kid, you know, suffered a, you know, an uncomfortable situation, you know, with a friend. And so a lot of times it's just a teaching opportunity and, you know, an opportunity to say, gosh, like, can you think about what went wrong and how you can keep that from happening the next time? There doesn't always have to be a consequence. Amy, that is so true, right? And that goes back to just going through the tough times in order to get stronger and more resilient. I think that's so important, right? There's a song um, by Adriana, Ariana Grande, Rain On Me, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard it, Rain On Me. Um, And there's another song that I always tell my kids about. It's like, I get, I fall down and get up again. Do you know that song? It's like a, it's from years ago, but, but the point is that you need, you need to go through some tough times and it's okay. Cause if it doesn't rain, how are you going to appreciate the sunshine? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Hey, speaking of stress, I do not want to put stress on you, Hansen. You've got to catch a plane. So we need to, we need to close up what we're talking about here. I, there's so much we could talk about. I wish we could just bring you back and do another, another podcast, um, maybe here in a little while. You have a wonderful book. Um, now that is not out in, in, well, it will be when this episode is released. Okay, good. I was going to say, if not, we got to bring her back when this comes out and re-promote it so much we could talk about, but we got to (laughs) close. Well, I really, really appreciate this, Terry and Amy. And I would love to come back. First of all, I love talking to you guys. Um, I would just say, like, if there's a couple of closing comments, I would just say that I really would love parents to realize that it is time to reset, that we cannot be helicopter parents anymore because our kids are in a state of crisis. And so are we. So I think like just the two things I would say is like, let's talk about this. Let's figure out a way to shift our style of parenting. And the second thing, so important is take care of yourselves. It is hard. The pandemic has been hard on our kids, but it's also been hard, uh, hard on our families and our parents. So please like 
make that a priority as well, um, because that is how you can be the best parent. You want to do the best for your kids, do good for yourself. All right. Excellent. Um, so in addition to um, reading your book, how else can our listeners find out more about you and your work and where you are in the world? Yes, thank you. Um, so you can follow me on social media at, you know, at Hansa Bargava MD on Twitter, at Dr. Hansa MD on Instagram. Um, I do write for Forbes and WebMD and, you know, several organizations. And then always feel free to reach out to me on my website, which is hansabargavamd.com. All right. And we will put all of those in the show notes um, so that our listeners know how to spell it and uh, can find you pretty easily. So um, this has been a wonderful conversation. Too short. We would like to invite you back. Um, So we'd like to thank our guest today, Dr. Hansa Bargava, pediatrician, um, for sharing this important information um, about connection, about self-care, about stress um, for not only kids, but for moms um, and parents too. Um, So again, we will put the links to um, Hansa's social media website and a link to uh, purchase her book, Building Happier Kids, Stress-Busting Tools for Parents, in the show notes under the Brainy Books tab on our website. Uh, and in the transcript. So thank you so much for listening today. If you liked our show, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you would rather see us, we are on YouTube. Um, You can follow us on social media at The Brainy Moms. So look, until next time, we know that you're busy moms and we're busy moms. So we're out. See ya.